we've been so good at taking human out of the equation. Uh, we're now trying to figure out how do we bring some humanity, some emotional connection back into it. Danny, I'm excited to be able to chat with you today and hear more about unique digital humans. To begin, in a nutshell, five seconds, what would you say, what is unique? In five seconds, I would say Unique is a company that solves for bringing emotional connection in a digital world. Mm, I like it. I imagine it's, it's changed over the years, but what's the uh, problem that you saw to set out that you wanted to solve? What was that problem you initially saw? Uh, yeah, and the problem is the same over the 10 years we've been in existence. The solution has changed, as you highlighted. I think the problem really that we have is as we drive more and more of our interactions via digital um, accelerated even more so if you think about current times and the climate we're in uh, you, you you start creating more transactional interactions versus relational or emotional interactions and when you think about the organizations that depend on emotional connection there's an incredible study by the harvard business school which actually quantified that you know this is like a, a 4x impact on you know conversion or net promoter score which is a, a measurement for the quality of experience and these that's are the, human the connection that's, that's the human connection that's the experience factor the experience that we value and that we want and we actually have like 82 percent of you know people when they were surveyed through some of the major you know analyst kind of research whether it be gartner or some of the others you know it's a very consistent result in the 80s to that we want interaction we actually like human touch because it creates something that makes us feel good in the interaction. And, uh, and now we're going to a more digital world. <laughs> we don't really have that same human interaction the way it was. Yeah. We've been so good at this, right? We've been so good at taking human out of the equation. Uh, we're now trying to figure out how do we bring some humanity, some emotional connection back into it. And I think that's really what we saw 10 years ago. Uh, our focus originally started on how do we do that with humans and realizing that actually when digital is applied, it brings a significant, I guess, scale, accessibility and ease. And that's why we're attracted to it. And there is this, I guess, tension in that to align that with ex an experience that's more human, people are not very scalable. You know, they are limited in their time availability. And often a lot of the tasks that we're trying to um, obviously scale are very hard to train on a consistent manner as well. And so that's kind of why we, over the 10 years, we pivoted towards digital humans and how that now plugs directly into that same value proposition of digital, but now with the human touch. So give me a... A uh, use case, an analogy uh, of in one particular market, your product in play. Yeah, I, we, as you expect, human touch is ubiquitous. And so I've I got lots of these, but one of my favorite ones, and, and you know, our vision is very much, a, we have such a passion in our company around how this technology will be used to improve human life and one particular area i think this technology is going to be a game changer and early days we've seen this already is in healthcare and in particular if you think about the healthcare system we have incredible 
people, doctors, nurses on the front line and supporting people like you and I when we need help, right? And the issue is that when we go in for, say, surgery or we go in for some, some level of treatment, they have very limited time to spend with us uh, pre and post the operation or the treatment process. And the issue in the healthcare system is you basically get a pamphlet or you get some complex digital website or patient portal that you have to now figure out how you look after yourself, either leading up to that moment or after that moment. And we have a huge adherence problem in the US. It's, it's just massive, like over $200 billion problem just because of people unable to have access to good information in a way that they can consume easily without judgment, right? And so digital humans enter the scene. Now, instead of a complex website or a patient portal, you put a digital human on top of that and you come out of your surgery and you say, well, I've got 16 different medications. Which one should I be taking today? And, and, and I'm not feeling so good. Should I be calling my doctor now or what should I be doing, right? And it's these kind of conversations are so powerful when you put a human interface in front of it and make it accessible 24 by seven. There's a word that you said, I'm trying to remember, um, without, um, not fear, but without, um, they, they don't have a, uh, any thing disconnected them not wanting to interact with this because- yeah, the judgment. Judgment. You said yeah. no judgment. What's that then? Why would someone not feel judgment talking to then uh, a digital human versus a human? Talk to me yeah. about that, how that behavioral it's a, mindset. It really is an interesting psychological, uh, I guess, insight that we've discovered, which is also aligned with some of our views. And, and it is that we're not trying to trick people into thinking digital humans are humans. In fact, that works to the disadvantage. The advantage is that they're not human. So therefore they remove a lot of judgment um, in the interaction. And so we've found that time and time again across various use cases that people would be more open to talk about their financial situation or healthcare or ask questions about you know, pharmaceutical needs and all sorts of those kind of areas where judgment often impacts how comfortable we are to ask that question, right? If you feel like it's a stupid question, you won't ask it, <laughs> which yeah. could hurt yourself. Uh, you should ask stupid questions because uh, you don't know. But so interesting that that could remove it. And I appreciate your point of you're not trying to hide the fact that it is a digital human because we've all seen these uh, futuristic movies and things where, you know, is it a real person? Is it not? You're not trying to fake people out. No, no, not at all. And so I think that's really been part of the journey with both uh, understanding how digital humans play a role in a digital world but also how do they augment humans really well? Mm -hmm. What is it that they can do that's uh, something that we can't do very easily as humans? And judgment is definitely one of them. Because you're not trying to necessarily replace uh, a human interaction on one side because human is a human. And if they know it's not a human, it's not there. But it's more of a, you said, emotional. It's a different type of UI. Instead of trying to navigate a website, you're talking to in a conversation um, to something that can emote back to you, emo uh, respond to your emotions. Ta gotcha. Talk to me more about the, the emotional response and how does that seem converses to, I mean, there's tons of chatbots. Why not just use a chatbot? Yeah, 100%. Right. So that's the beauty of what we do. And, and, and you said it well. In many ways, we're just an intelligent UI 
it's an evolution of the flat world we live in today. The, the interaction that we have is very much related to a 2D screen. And in many instances, we're interacting via keyboard or mouse. In some instances, now we're moving into Alexa and Siri and conversation, which is, I guess, the predecessor to what we're really talking about. And, and naturally, chatbots are doing a lot of work around trying to build into that transactional experience. You think about it, you've got a question, you need an answer, it helps find that answer as quick as possible, but you're still interacting through those channels of text and keyboard. And so when we try to bring feeling and, and experience into that, we need to think more about a persona, like you and I have, we have a persona, and we also communicate via nonverbal. So a lot of what we're just doing now, we're looking at each other's body language, we're listening to the tone, and that's all feeding into an overall experience of trust and, and a lot of other things that come into that. So digital human, you know, when we think about that technology stack, it was really about the fact that the way that interfaces are going to evolve need to incorporate more what I call multimodal inputs. It's what can we see, what can we hear, and what can we express in the same way that we can see and hear as well. And, and that combined creates this experience that feels a lot more human and it's a lot more intuitive actually to us as humans as we've communicated our entire lives. Let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into the technology. Those who enjoy the, the specifics, um, we can talk about this. If, if, you're, if those who are watching, if you're not that much of a technical person, you can skip to the next part. But if I understand correctly, you actually like a base use um, a lot of the standard NLPs out there uh, or, or stacks like um, Google's Dialogflow, but you can like plug into any one of those, but yours is the front end um, the, uh, the digital human reacts as, as far as the sentiment that it senses. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's, that's correct. So you think about the billions of dollars that have been invested today and in incredible breakthroughs around natural language understanding and the way that conversational AI is able to train on a, a set of data that then provides um, important, um, uh, what I would say, accuracy and intent matching to what we, what we expect when we talk to a chatbot or a Siri or an Alexa. And that's progressing at rapid speed now because of that investment. What, what I guess our strategy was always going to be was that if they're solving the content, the, the ability to understand the intent of the question, who's solving the human experience around it, who's creating the characters and the persona, so it's kind of like in movie making or it's game development. Just because you have a script doesn't mean you have a movie or it doesn't mean you've got a great game. You've still got to bring the character to life. You still have to have an interaction that people fall in love with. And that is in essence what we do. We are the intelligent interface and the AI technology we build enables us to scale that so that we can plug that directly into any chatbot, any NLP framework, where that big dialogue flow, Watson, Microsoft bot framework, and bring that to life without anyone having to program it. And uh, that's the power of digital human interface with Unique. Digging a little bit further here is the emotional sentiment. Uh, your Unique human or digital human can understand the emotional sentiment of the viewer as well. And is that picked up by a, what, your side or, or how is that figured out? 
Yeah, this is uh, very early days in this type of technology. So I don't want to oversell this, right? But the digital human obviously has the ability to see you and hear you. And with that, we can accurately make some assumptions on how to respond more appropriately. Some of these things are actually really straightforward that we take for granted. Because if I turn my head and talk to someone like this, you know I'm now not talking to you. It's a good example, right? And we can see that and we can actually go, I don't need to respond to that because you're obviously looking at someone else and talking to someone else. And that plays uh, a huge role, say, in physical environments where there's kiosks and things like that, that you're walking up with friends and your kids and all those types of things, right? Um, but when it comes to the emotional levels of understanding, you know, we're at that point where we can start to understand, is someone interested and engaged? Or are they disconnected? Does this, are they now getting frustrated and moving away? Um, the, the kind of tech that claims to, you know, no happy and everything. I, I, someone told me this the other day. I loved it. It was like, it's kind of like emoji level detection. You know, it has to be like all the extremes to actually detect it. So, you know, this has got a journey and, and definitely this will be solved. There's no doubt about it. Um, the technology is advancing at rapid speed and we're making big investments as are many other companies in this. But our, some of our best R&D technology and investment is actually also on the other side, where the chatbot engine, whatever that is, it provides text straight into our platform. Mm -hmm. And we're able to determine how that will then be expressed and behaved and spoken and all those things. And we're able to take multiple inputs too, like audio and other things that can combine to create this expression. Because on your side, the AI is actually generating the the speech uh, itself, not generated by the chat. The chatbot provides the text, the script, as you Correct. stated. So your research um, has been and development has been into, okay, how is that sound delivered? Does it sound happy? And is there right phrasing? Um, that's what you spend a lot of your time in, as well as then the facial reactions of your digital human. Yeah, ours is especially around the animation systems and how a digital human behaves. We actually interchange the voice systems because there's some great synthetic voice options out there now from companies like the big players, whether it be Amazon Polly or Google WaveNet through to smaller companies like Voicery and others. So we, we can interchange all the voice options um, and really focus on, on the... Yeah. So tell me more about the visual. Obviously, like animation has, has increased and in, in the ability to, to show such detail. Like I'm a big fan of follow, of course, what NVIDIA does. And there's Unreal, what they do with their engine. Do you, are you using a, a, a physics engine, a, a game engine out there? Have you developed your own? How has that worked? Yeah, so we actually, um, we have a lot of proprietary tech around this. But when it came to rendering, actually, we, li we like the Unreal engine. So we're a strategic partner. Uh, of Epic and, you know, work very closely around the development efforts into producing high quality renders. And a lot of our proprietary tech, however, kind of extends beyond just rendering, as you can imagine. So it's all the requirements and how do you take uh, something that what they would originally build that rendering engine for is typically entertainment, which again is quite controlled environments you think about movies and games everything's controlled you control what platform people use you control that they sit in a seat and watch a big screen um, but you also control the whole story from beginning to end and once it's kind of complete it kind of works within those parameters in our world a digital human gets put into websites mobile apps you know you name it and then on top of that it gets plugged into any type of chatbot system and that can be changed within seconds and moments so nothing is ever the same at any time. And so 
the technology that kind of extends from rendering is to really support both that hard challenge of real-time behavior, animation, expression, and then also the adaptability into the business world, enterprise systems and integrations and things like that. I Correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys are one of the first ones to uh, productize this concept, bringing all the different elements of the NLP and the voice ability and then the visual animation and then provide it as a as a SaaS solution that someone would say, yeah, let me just embed it on my site and go. Are you there? totally? Yeah. I wouldn't be aware of anyone else that's progressed the R and D to that level where they're doing it now. I mean, cause when you look at all the, the pieces by themselves, you could say, well, that's, I could get that here. I could get that there, but no one has yet combined all the pieces in, in such a way that it's, if someone doesn't want to have to be a master at any of it, they could just implement it right now. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think you've got um, on one side of the, I guess, fences, companies that have probably focused more around the game community mm -hmm. where they've, you know, maybe built a artistry or animation system that developers need to really work with. And then you've got probably more on the other side of the fence, which is focusing on very high end complex, you know, visual effects based technology stack, but it's hugely bespoke can't be used uh, other than the purpose that it's been designed for. And we are kind of coming into this business realm to commercialize. And it really comes back to our vision. Our vision was how do we empower creators really easily to make a difference? And then when we define creator, we realize this isn't just developers. This is people with great ideas who understand their problem really well. And if they could just have a human interface that they could plug in easily to a dialogue flow or whatever it might be, then they've got this magic that they've created and it is quick, easy, and affordable. And that's really been a big part of who we are and where we're going. So I'm, as we kind of wrap up this, this part of our, our conversation, I'm going to play a little as devil's advocate, just, just a little hard challenge here. Let's see how you can respond. I have a friend. Um, he was a little frustrated because our, our local DMV uh, switched to a chatbot. And he knew previously where to go, click the button, get here, know exactly, get to it. And he didn't have to go through this long discourse of con uh, conversing back and forth. Yes. People can be frustrated with these stupid digital things that aren't responding the way you want it to. And you can frustrate them. What are your thoughts on that sentiment that is there and growing? Yeah, look, that's, that's, one of the key parts of this technology stack, uh, even prior to putting a digital human into the, into the mix, right? When you think about conversation as an experience, the biggest issue I've continued to see is that people think about it as a technology solution. And so they try to recreate what they built in technology as a Q&A system that now somehow people should love. You know, and, and, and that's why so many of us don't love it because it just falls short. The trick with conversation is it's obviously not going to be the best solution for every use case as well. So in this particular example that you give me, maybe it's just not the best solution, right? But if it was to be the best solution, it probably wouldn't be implemented the way it is. It would be implemented on a, in a way that really makes it feel far more engaging and gives you something more than just the information, in my opinion. So a good example is if it speeds up the process, great, fantastic, right? If it doesn't speed up the process, 
I still want to feel more comfortable or more confident in my decision-making. And maybe it helped me with that, right? So it could be that I could get similar information, but I've got a lot more questions. So I was able to fire through three or four more questions and I feel a lot more comfortable. And so those are the things in conversational design that are fundamental. And I think companies are learning this. They've just kind of jumped in, got a little bit messy. They kind of love the ROI on this, but they haven't quite figured out the experience factor. And so the next three to five years, you just watch the space. You watch how fast the improvement in AI technology to adapt around existing data sets just becomes way more conversational. And before you know it, we will have characters and personas that we interact with on a daily basis to help us with everything from, you know, life admin, banking, first mortgages, healthcare. I think it's going to be a much better world because in, in many ways, if you think about kids, the way that kids are talking to uh, machines these days, whether it be Siri, Alexa, this is not the language we want to train them in. And so as we evolve conversational AI and digital humans and build relationship and trust, this is how we want to teach our kids to interact. And the human language is about having more respect and building those kind of connections that I think are long lasting and great for brands, great for solving big problems too. Speaking of the future, what can you share of your roadmap now looking forward in the next uh, near term, next year, what are you guys working on? And then long-term, where, where do you see you guys are going? Yeah, so near term, we've got some really exciting releases coming out actually in one of the areas that you've talked about, which is the analytics side. So a lot of our customers are deploying digital humans and we're trying to give them more and more insight and how is that conversation working really well to the example we just talked about and how do we improve that? And digital humans have this ability to be able to also hear and see and be able to have more information on what's going on to help direct that versus just what you get back on text in a chatbot. So a really exciting part of our near term. We're also going to, expand on the creator platform to improve on many many different areas that uh, our customers are telling us uh, voice is a big area um, just humanizing that more and more and just enabling more and more integrations as well so that customers uh, without even needing a developer could stand up a, a full experience and interact with it um, and we're seeing a huge market interest where people are trying to validate and test things. So we're gonna make it so easy to, to do that, which I think is gonna be pretty cool. Long-term, it really is about the fact that this technology needs to continue to extend beyond some of the basic animation systems that we have today. Like I believe we're one of the best in the world at this, but it's still a long way from where it could be and where it should be. And that also includes things like body language with hand movement, uh, positioning, and really moving these 2D interfaces that feel very static today, like a video call that we don't move on, to you know, fully interactive with content. And, and then lastly, it's really about the immersive environments that we're seeing finally starting to take place, I think. So VRs are gonna have their moment and it's coming. And, uh, and this is where digital humans, again, I think will uh, really excel because they can obviously operate in that dimension very well. Where can people go to learn more about uh, digital humans and what's a good first step for them to take? Yeah, so digitalhumans.com or unique 
which is uniquely spelt U-N-E-E-Q.com is our website. Great place to start. If you click on the creator link uh, on the website, you there are free trials there. You can actually log in, set up an account and start playing with a digital human. And that I would highly recommend it. Um, it's a great way to just understand the tech better. And if you've got a problem you're looking to solve, you can then go from there. That concludes the audio version of this episode. To see the original and more, visit our Uptech Report YouTube channel. If you know a tech company we should interview, you can nominate them at uptechreport.com. Or if you just prefer to listen, make sure you're subscribed to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app.